sure, absolutely. We're all mic'd all the time, which is awesome. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and, and loud, apparently. And loud, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is tea. It's not coffee, by the way, so we can't blame it on the caffeine tonight, but it's going to be fun. Uh, hey, if you could turn your cell phones to vibrate, turn them off if you don't have kids and you feel comfortable with that. If you have kids, that's the way that we'll get a hold of you if your kids are screaming in one of the back rooms. Not that they would, not your kids, but in case. So make sure they're at least on vibrate or turned off. Uh, I'm going to pray for us as we jump into this, uh, this gathering. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, would you uh, be giving us a unique awareness even now of your presence, of your leading, of your guiding in our community. God, would this be a, uh, a marker on the journey that you have uh, this New Life community on, uh, where we sat together, we talked, we laughed, we got real, we uh, explored uh, what it means to follow after you, to engage with the vision that you have always called us to and will continue to lead us into. Uh, would you give, keep us open, keep us uh, excited, keep us aware of what's going on even inside of us as we uh, listen and ask questions and engage. And God, would you move us forward as one body of faith uh, that's marked under uh, the transforming love and power of Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. As I reflected on uh, our gathering tonight, it reminded me a lot of, am I really loud? Am I really loud? Awesomely loud? Uh, okay, perfect. That's what I like to hear. Doug likes it, so we're good. Uh, I was reminded of a wedding. Uh, tonight's gathering is somewhat like a wedding in that at a wedding you have the bride and the groom and they have been waiting for that moment their entire lives. And then you've got one, maybe one circle out, the groomsmen and the bridesmaids and the families of the bride and the groom. And, and they knew these people as individuals and then they knew them coming together. And so they've experienced a large part of this relationship. And then you've got uh, friends who have known either the bride or the groom in some capacity for parts of their life. And then maybe you've got like a date of, of someone who knows the bride and groom. And they're there basically because they are the date. And uh, it's a free meal. And so guys invite girls to that type of thing. And then you've got the kids running around. And the kids really don't care why they're there, right? They just like that there's candy and there's cake and there's music. Uh, and something in them longs for 80s tunes. And so they just really enjoy that. Uh, when we decided to call the entire community together, uh, we were aware that we were calling people with different levels of engagement in this community. Some of you have been here since we started, some 13 years ago. Others maybe came last week for the first time. At different levels of, of engagement and connection. And so, uh, kind of like different phases along the wedding, different parts of what we're going to talk about tonight will hit you differently. Uh, if you're here tonight and uh, you're kind of like a kid at the wedding, you're just enjoying being around. Uh, that's great. Embrace that. Engage there. Uh, there are going to be certain parts of tonight that might just go right over your head, and you might not even know what we're talking about. That's okay. Uh, that doesn't need to bring up more questions for you in wondering. That's just a part that might be for someone else at the wedding. Uh, we did our best to make sure that everything we talk about connects with multiple uh, communities, but there may be some parts in here that, that uniquely touch each of us in different ways, and I just want us to be aware of that and be open to it so that we don't start scratching our head and saying, well, what are they talking about right now? It's okay if you don't know what we're talking about in a certain area, um, but we do hope that this is going to be a time of excitement, of joy, of joy, excuse me, as we look back uh, on what God has called us to and where he is taking us. Um, we're going to go through the night, and each of us will be sharing different portions of this evening, uh, and we'll be interjecting and, and filling in as we uh, get the bug, get the itch. 
Uh, and then we're going to have a time of questions and answers at the end. Uh, and uh, we're going to bring up the spiritual and financial stewards, so the entire uh, leadership, uh, senior leadership of the church, for you to ask questions. My one encouragement to you uh, would be, as you think about your question, uh, be thinking, is this a question for the entire wedding? or for the majority of the people at the wedding, or is this a question that maybe only the bride and the groom would need to know the information about? Does that make sense to you? So when you're asking a question, uh, is it a question that the majority of the community would benefit from knowing an answer to, or is that a question that you might want to come and just ask one of the staff or leaders individually, because we'll be up here. Uh, So as much as we are trying to form things that connect with large pockets of who we are, we invite you in that question and answer time just to be thinking, is this a question that I would want to come ask Ron about individually, or is this a question that would benefit the larger, uh, the larger group? So uh, I'm excited. I really am. And I am over uh, my allotted time of sharing. So I'm going to pass it over to Ron. Sure. I, I have written out what I'm going to say. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to read it to you. And that way I know I'll finish on time. How's that? So, all right. <laughs> Thirteen years ago, this month, I answered a call on my life to come to Petaluma and start a church that had a heart to reach the unchurched of our community. God made it clear he was ready to draw people to himself through Jesus, and he wanted a church that would eat, sleep, and breathe that mission. Reaching the people of our community would be more important than having our kind of music doing church our favorite way, or even, for that matter, having our own building. What mattered would be following Christ and helping others find and follow Him as well. Everything else didn't really matter. God has never changed that calling either for my life or for this church. He wants it to burn as passionately in our hearts today as it did in the hearts of the handful of people who launched New Life Back in 1998. In some ways, tonight could be called Back to the Future. It's back because God is calling us to return to the same mission He gave us 13 years ago. It's future because He's giving us some great tools to live out that mission with greater focus and greater effectiveness. As we get started, I have a confession on behalf of of the entire senior leadership team of New Life. That is, its stewards and its staff. These will be the staff that's here. The stewards will be up here later. Peeling the onion all the way down to its core, the truth is, as a church, we have lost some of our focus on that mission. And God is not pleased about that. We could offer various reasons and rationales for this, but really, we just need to own it. We, the senior leadership team of the church, have directed the affairs of the church in a way that somehow has taken its heart partially away from its mission. It's no surprise then that somewhere along the way we've broken trust with several of you, or at least some of you. Through insufficient and or poor communication, we've damaged your trust in us as a leadership. Once again, though we didn't do it deviously, we still need to own it. We just didn't get you the information you needed to trust us fully as leaders. Losing focus on our God-given mission and breaking trust with our people both have consequences that aren't pretty. Our attendance isn't what it could or should be. Not necessarily bad, but it isn't what it could or should be. Number of life groups 
isn't what it could or should be. Many who have come and had great experiences at New Life on Sunday mornings just didn't stick because we didn't get them folded into the flow of our life groups where they could feel connected. Giving isn't what it could or should be. We've become too focused on the building and its mortgage and not nearly focused enough on using it to actually bring people to Jesus. I believe God wrote a specific scripture for churches like us. And I'll tell you up front, it sounds harsh. I didn't write it, God did. All right, so just so you know. But it's true, and even in its forthrightness, it sows a message of hope. So I want to read it to you. It's out of Revelation chapter 2. Write this letter to the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And if you haven't figured that out yet, that's Jesus, okay? So here's a message from Jesus to the church in Ephesus and I believe to us today. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say that they are apostles but are not. You have discovered them as liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Now, all of those things are good, correct? We've taken the time to search out the truth. We've worked really hard. We've patiently endured. And um, we haven't actually suffered persecution, but we have worked hard without quitting. But the next thing Jesus says is, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as much as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. And then he says this warning, if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. So, yeah, that's pretty stiff. But at the same time, God says, if you, if you repent... The light, the light still burns, and it still burns even brighter. And I believe that's what God has called us to do. So right from the beginning of this meeting, the senior leadership team of New Life expresses that we are sorry for leading in a way that has allowed our focus to become even partially misplaced. We ask for your forgiveness. To those whose trust we have damaged or broken, we apologize and are sorry. We ask for your forgiveness as well. Tonight, we take the first step in rebuilding your trust and getting new life back to its first love. To get us started, I want to pray a prayer of repentance on behalf of the senior leadership team. So I ask you to join me, if you would, please. Loving Father, having confessed our sin and failure to our brothers and sisters, we now bring them both to you. We are deeply sorry for losing focus on the only mission you've ever given us. It's a great mission, one that is certainly worthy of our lives. Tonight, we return to it with renewed love and great commitment. Please forgive each of us in leadership for our individual and collective roles in allowing this to happen. We take full responsibility and ask for full and complete forgiveness. We also ask for empowerment to lead properly in the weeks and months ahead. Thank you for your grace extended to us 
through Jesus, we pray in the power of his name. Amen. And that's something that's come out of uh, months of, of prayer and seeking God. And it, it, was, it has not been intentional. It's not easy for us to stand up in front of our community and say, hey, we have let you down in some ways. We have broken trust with you. Uh, so what we ask now is that you would, whether we, we mention specifically maybe what's hurt you or not, if you need personal reconciliation, we can talk through that. But would you, uh, would you forgive and would you extend grace to us as we lead out? God is clearly giving us some direction as he wants us to get back to our vision and move forward. We're going to talk about that, but uh, before we could just move forward, we felt like we needed to acknowledge uh, and, and ask you guys for that because we are a family together in unity. So uh, I hope that as you have heard this and have embraced it, maybe you would even go to people in the senior leadership and say, you know what, I, I have been hurt, I've been frustrated, and I do forgive you. Uh, that would go a long way in this process of us being one community of faith together. Thank you. Some of you are going to look at that and go, whoa, where did that come from? I think church has always been on its mission. Okay. Just enjoy the mints at the, at the wedding table, all right? <laughs> that's what that's about, all right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, let's talk about the future. How God is calling us back to our mission of reaching the people of our community. He is directing us in three specific concepts or tools. I will lay them out in general for you, and each of the staff members will lay them out specifically. Number one, the first can be summed up in the simple phrase, relational connection. The people of our community will never consistently come to a church where they don't sense relational connection. From its inception, God has called us to be the church that greets people on the curb, okay? That makes them feel at home in the lobby, that visits with them in meaningful ways and makes sure they feel welcome in our community of faith. This has been our hallmark, and many of you are here today because that's exactly what happened to you when you came for the first time. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. God is calling us not only to return to that first love, but to enhance and develop it and do it even better. Justin is going to be laying out for us God's vision for what we're going to be calling our first impressions ministry and i'll let him give you the details of that but that's relational connection and that is the heartbeat of this church it has always been it should be and and we are returning to that in even greater ways tonight number two the second concept or tool god is directing us to can be summed up in the simple phrase relational transformation first connection then transformation in God's economy, and I want you to hear this, in God's economy, it's not enough for people to simply get connected. He has a whole work he wants to do in and through them as his children. Reaching our community involves more than just getting them to church. It means getting them into Jesus, into life change through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and into God's Word. Tonight, God is calling us to return to that first love as well. And Kevin is going to be laying out for us God's vision for what he wants us to be doing in the life group ministry, which is where that relational transformation takes place. 
And the third concept or tool God is directing us to can be summed up in the phrase, lasting connections. Simply put, we must have a bridge that carries people from the Sunday morning experience to full connection in life groups. God is calling us to return to that first love as well. Later, Angela will be laying out for us God's vision for what we're going to be calling our Connections Ministry. Now, in substance, each of these is an aspect of that same first love God birthed in us as a church way back in 1998. In that way, this is not a change at all. It's just returning to our first love. But the way in which God is calling us to live out that first love certainly is different today than it was back when there were less than 20 people in our core group. God has worked for 13 years to prepare us for great ministry in this community. And he is now ready for us to live out that same first love in a whole new dimension. And that will require some change from all of us. We'll be doing the same things, but in different and more effective and certainly ways that have larger capacity. Before I turn the next part of our meeting over to the other members of our staff, I want to remind us of a key Bible illustration three principles that come from it. The illustration is that the church is a body. At length, on several occasions, Paul used this illustration, and each time he used it, he taught the same three points. Point number one, the body should always be growing and developing. Do you believe that? Yeah. I want to read you something that God gave me. I want you to hear it. Until every person is saved and on their way to heaven, no church is ever as big as it needs to be. Do you believe that? Maybe I could jump in there. Because I I, I know that some of you here probably hear as big as it needs to be, and, and you shudder maybe a little bit. Wait a minute. Are we trying to become a big church? Not for the sake of being a big church, no. But do we believe at our core that uh, Jesus' arms are wide open into our community. Petaluma, San Rafael, Santa Rosa, Rohnert Park, Nevada. And that he's crying when he only hears that 2% of the people in our city know Christ. Do we believe that at our core? If we believe that's true, that Jesus is crying over people who don't know him and he's trying to draw them in, the only option we have as a community is to say, come here, come to us, engage with us. We want you to experience God. And that means the church has to grow. Right? So whether you like a, a huge church or a, a tiny church, we need to figure out ways to be both a big church and a small church at the same time. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit in the context of our life groups. But uh, I just want to, for those of us who, and you know, we have this feeling when we hear the church is going to get big, it's not just for numbers. It's not for numbers' sake. It is because each person that comes through is a person whose life is being transformed by Christ. And I think I want to keep that on the forefront of our minds as we go on tonight. Yep. Anybody else have anything you want to say to that? I like this mic thing. This is fun. We should do this more often. Yeah, I think Kevin wants to do this on Sunday morning. Yeah. I'll just sit down there with a the mic. Yeah, nice. Hey, Ron, can I add something yeah, to that? Say, anything great. else you want to say, yeah. Kevin? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, number one, the church should always be growing and developing. Number two, the body is comprised of individual parts, and the success of the body is determined by how well its individual parts perform their function. 
In other words, our success in fulfilling the mission God has given us depends upon how well each of us, and that means every one of us, steps up to the plate and does our part. Now, your, your body has no token parts. God gave a function to every single part of it. And number three, the body only works when its parts function in unity. When they cooperate, the body can accomplish amazing things. But when they don't, even the simplest of tasks becomes nearly impossible. My older brother, Don, um, suffered a major stroke at the age of 24, and he's mostly paralyzed on the left side of his body. Um, a few of you have met him. Very inspirational guy, but uh, he's, he's uh, obviously a stroke victim, and usually stroke victims, if they incur paralysis, they, they will incur either what's called atrophy, which was where a limb withers and has no strength in it at all, at all, or they will incur something called spasticity. And that's where there's no fluidity of movement, but it's jerks and, and, and so forth. Well, Don suffers from spasticity. And he sat down with me one day and he said, Ron, you know the amazing thing about the left side of my body? And that is, whatever I tell it to do, it does the exact opposite. Because when I tell my left leg to go forward, it goes back. And when I tell it to go back, it goes forward. And when I tell it to raise, it goes down. And when I tell it to go down, it raises. He says, everything about the left side of my body, it's completely out of harmony with everything on the right side. So for him, learning how to walk took months. Because you got one leg that when you say go forward, it goes forward. You got one leg when you say go forward, it goes back. And, And so his body, even the simplest of tasks becomes nearly impossible to do because his body doesn't work together in unity. And so as we move forward, it's going to mean that as we work together, we have to work together in unity and and togetherness because if we do, God can do amazing things through us. But if as a leadership we, we call us forward and some of us go, I'm going backwards. If you're going forwards, then that's going to make the task nearly impossible. So those are the three things that God says to us as a body. We're a body, and we're going to work together. So as Kevin, Justin, and Angela lay out for us what God is going to be uh, using to get us to return to our first love, I want to challenge each of us to a couple of things. Number one, I challenge us to work hard at growing and developing this church, into all that God wants it to be. It will take all of us, not just the four of us up here. It will take all of us. Number two, I want to challenge each of us to accept specific roles in the body of believers. And notice, I didn't say a specific role in the body of believers. I said specific roles, and I'll tell you why. Because there's virtually no member of your body that has only one role in your body. For instance... If I say to my hand, it's time to eat, pick up that sandwich and put it in my mouth. And the hand says, no, I already tied your shoe this morning. I'm done. That's my role. (laughs) That's going to be pretty tough, don't you think? Because the truth is my hand has many roles in my body, right? I use it for many, many things. And, And so it's true of virtually every member of the body. 
So I want to encourage you as we walk our way through this tonight. It's important for you to consider not just role, but roles. And the idea of multiple roles is not to wear you out or to occupy all of your time. But for instance, you may have a role in the church, let's say, as the host for a life group. That's an absolutely fabulous role. Okay, We want to encourage you in that. But at the same time, you're also going to come here on Sunday morning to go to church. Correct? Yeah. So, so everybody you... say yes. Yes. yes I'm... Okay, good. Yes. Good, perfect. So while you're here, why not do something? As opposed to just coming and showing up. Why not come and be a greeter? Why not come and be an usher? Why not come, if you like to work with kids, and work in the children's ministry program? If God's given you the ability to sing or do something in worship, why not come? You're going to be here on Sunday anyway. Why not do multiple roles, balance them in healthy ways? Why not do multiple things? So I want to challenge all of us with that. And then last of all, I want to challenge all of us to do this in complete unity and togetherness for we are the body of Christ. So at this point, I'm going to turn it over to Justin, who's going to talk to you about relational connections in the First Impressions ministry. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. Um, <clears throat> well, I have already given them permission to jump in. So, Ron gave me that permission, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Angela and I usually are not this quiet in uh, staff meetings. That's but, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Careful. Anyway, um, Ron, uh, thank you for setting this up. Um, uh, it's true. We're a church that's relational. And um, for this church, it comes naturally. Um, but one of the things I'm, I've noticed is uh, it comes naturally, but we're not extremely intentional about it. And so that's really what we're, we're going to try and do differently. Um, because... Uh, this relational connection is vital to our, our church mission in, in the connecting uh, people with God and others. So um, one of our, our primary vehicle for relational connection is going to be um, even beyond what he had mentioned with the uh, First Impressions ministry. It's going to be our Sunday morning experience. That is where that happens, relational connections. Um, that is where that happens. And uh, I love the hum. That's very nice. We'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe God just wants you to have your guitar right now. Yeah, I know. maybe that's, that's what I feel is. like. <laughs> wee wee. That's like that. Yeah, I like that. that. You do that. I'll play. That's why I'm holding something. Anyway, um, is it okay for me? It yeah. works. Um, when you were saying it comes naturally to us, I was thinking. When I was a little girl and dad would go to teach us something he was particularly good at, he was particularly bad at teaching it to us. That's just the way it goes. Because when it comes naturally to you, it's really hard to explain it. It's really hard to explain it. And I think one of the things is we've relied on our natural talent that it's contagious. To be this relational, you attract other relational people. Um, and that is a major blessing. But if we just sit back and rely on that, then we just continue to only gather the people that are already have a propensity to that. And God wants to reach people 
of all temperaments, all personalities, and all of that. And if we just rely on what he has naturally gifted us with, we miss a large pocket of our community. So I think that's one of the reasons why we're having to address it is because we have been naturally relational and we haven't spent much time in developing that and figuring out how to transfer that to people who aren't already naturally that way. So I I was instantly thought of his natural talent. (laughs) Well, I'm going to give us an idea or a concept to think of. Um, We as a church are a family, right? But we got to think of ourselves as a family that's expecting company, Right. I mean, when you expect company, you do certain things to get ready for that, right? There's, there's a, quite a few things that, that we do to uh, prepare for that and um, things that happen when they come and visit our home. So um, that's the kind of the picture that um, I want us to think of when, when we um, are engaging in the Sunday morning experience. Um, it's generally thought that uh, the first, first impression is made within the sec, well, it's first impression is made at the first impression, but um, people make up their minds uh, whether or not they're going to come back to a church within the first seven minutes of being here. That's usually before they ever sit down, uh, before any word is spoken, before the band even starts up. Um, that's where it happens. Um, that's when the decision is made. And so... Um, of the entire Sunday morning experience, what happens before this service uh, is really the most important thing that we can do to help people connect. And um, for our first-time guests, uh, this may be the first and possibly the last time they uh, walk into a church. So that's kind of how important this is. (laughs) This is why we need to be intentional about it. So... um, I just wanted you to imagine with me kind of a scenario. And you guys might remember your first time coming through uh, the doors and visiting, um, checking us out. And um, just a kind of a, a, a typical scenario of somebody um, coming to the first time and what a positive experience it could be when we are firing on all cylinders. And then I'll explain a little bit of what's actually happening um, when that happens. Um, Imagine um, a guy that is, um, you know, has a friend at work, and the friend has been saying, hey, you know, I think you should come check out church. And he, he hasn't been to church for a really long time. He doesn't really, you know, he knows his wife wants him to come to church. Um, and, and she's, like, thinking, yeah, I think I, we, we should go to church. You know, we've started a family. We're ready, to, we're ready to do that. And somehow the friend convinces him to, to come on Sunday morning. What will typically happen is, you know, the, the alarm will go off, and they'll probably be thinking, why in the world did I agree to this? <laughs> uh, I don't want to be here right now. Uh, you know, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to get up and, and do the whole thing. Most likely their morning will not go well. Um, you know, they'll burn the, the breakfast. They will um, have uh, a, a spat. The kids will be uh, terrors. Um, because, you know, there's somebody that doesn't want them to be here, you know. And so, uh, you know, the enemy's going to work hard to, to make sure that doesn't happen. And, I mean, isn't it typical, though, that most of the fighting happens, you know, Sunday morning on your way to church anyway? Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> you and Jessica have something you want to confess? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We, we typically go separately. Um, <laughs> 
that's the safest route right there. You take your car, I'll take mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, they, 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 they decide, okay, we'll do it. I promised him I'd be there. Get in the car, um, and they get to, let's say, Rand, and they see this sign that says, New Life, with a nice arrow. They're like, oh, well, that, that one, that releases some anxiety. They're not feeling lost at that point. They go down, they see the sign that says New Life, they come into the, to the church, and they see um, a nice landscape, a, a well-cared-for uh, outsides, and um, they, they go ahead and park, and again, that kind of, um, yeah, kind of puts them at ease a little more. They get out of the car, they drag the kids, and uh, before they even reach the door, they're greeted by somebody who is welcoming them, saying, hey, we're so glad you're here. Um, we all wear name tags. Can I, can I give you a name tag? And ask them their name. They, they get the name tags. They walk in. This is, this is somewhat typical to what we do on Sunday, but it's a little, uh, we're, we're going to expand on that and change it a little. But they walk through the doors, and, you know, they're, they're a little lost. It's a nice building. Um, things look good. The dad might see uh, coffee. Oh, I, you know, that's something he wanted to, to get to. He's, he sees the coffee, and that kind of goes, oh, nice, coffee for me. That's a nice uh, added bonus. The mom's thinking, um, I need to figure out where to go from here. And somebody actually approaches them and says, hey, welcome. Notices that they are maybe look a little lost, a little dare in the headlights, and, and says, hey, can I help you um, find a place uh, where to go next and, and direct you to different places, and they can actually take them on a kind of a tour, a mini tour of, of the important places for them to go. So they might um, show them, in this case, where the bathrooms are. Maybe the, the daughter needs to go to the bathroom. Uh, you know, the kids are, are uh, having... Uh, Let's just move on. The milk. So, so then they, uh, you know, they are directed down to the children's ministry where they can see that it's actually a, a secure environment, and there's you know, cameras there, and uh, people are telling them how to do what they're supposed to do. Then they, you know, head back and they're greeted just before they even get to the auditorium doors. They're greeted by another person who's who's saying, "Here, here's some information. There's some stuff in there for you," and um, possibly uh, lets them know if. Maybe there's some some seats that um, are starting to fill in, and they don't know exactly where to sit. Might even help them find a seat. Maybe even asking somebody to slide in so that they can sit down. Um, all of these things are are going to help put them at ease and make them feel. You know what? Uh, there's something different about this experience, and really, that's um, it's kind of the difference between. Um, go into uh, a one-time event uh, in a stadium, you know, a concert or something, where people are kind of, kind of just help yourself, find a place, your, your, your seat, and, and do your thing. Because you know what? It's an event. They're going to move on. It's a concert. They're not going to play there again. They don't need you to come back. Um, or is a place something similar to like a, um, a play, a Broadway play, or something where they're going to be running that play throughout, and they just treat you like you're supposed to be there, you know, and that they actually want you there and maybe want you to come back. So that's some of the intentionality that I'm, that I'm t- talking about. And that in that time, that person will either determine, 
yeah, I want to come back to a place like this, or I feel really awkward. It, it goes beyond even just wanting to come back. They have now set the, the stage for what's going to happen next mm-hmm. in the service because now their defenses are down. They, have, um, they feel a little more relaxed. They come into a, a, a place where they see, you know, um, uh, movie style, you know, uh, our little pre-service announcements. And they have information that they can read so they don't feel like they're sitting staring at whatever. You know, they, these are the kind of things that are going to put them at ease. And this is before we've ever got up and, and started the band up or anything. Yeah, before Ron's even gotten up. I think it's important, if, if, if we can go back in our mind's eye to, if we're a family expecting company, if you're expecting company, do you normally greet them at the door? Is it considered rude if you don't? Yeah. yeah. Right? Do you, do you make sure that your house is well prepared to receive them? Sure you do. And, and do you make sure that they know where things are and what's expected of them? Of course. And if you, if you do anything less than that, it's considered rude. Um, our goal as a church, remember, our passion is to reach people who don't know Christ and don't typically feel at home in church or they would already be there. Okay? So our goal and what God has called us to do is to go way out of our way to make sure everyone who comes to church is warmly greeted, warmly treated, well cared for. And uh, what Justin is casting the vision for is imagine if our greeters, instead of just being name tag people, no offense to anyone who's a greeter, all right? But instead of just being name tag people, we're actually full-on greeters. And imagine if there were people there who weren't just name tag people, but every first-time guest who came got a short, brief, but meaningful tour. Oh, you're here for the first time? Well, if I could take three minutes, I'll walk you in and kind of show you the lay of the land. Oh, I see you have a small child. Let me show you where you need to go with your child so that, so that you can be well taken care of. All of a sudden, now they're a guest of our family and not somebody who's just showing up trying to find their way around. So that's the whole concept. Taking it to that level will really enable us then to be able to teach them what they really need to know, and that is that God loves them, cares for them. Yeah, and I mean, just to speed things along. No, no, uh, you're doing Wrap great. it up. Um, I'm next. So. <laughs> um, it's a concept called from street to the seat, you know. Um, basically, there's four things that we want um, to have happen, um, and that is, one, that they be greeted, that they be directed. Here, I'm going to skip this all. Then they be treated and they be seated. Okay? And, and how, you know, these are the things that will help them um, feel at ease. And uh, I'm not going to expand on all of that so that Kevin can get up and do his thing. No, but this is good. now you can kind of see why those seven minutes are so important. What I love what about what you're saying is what we're doing here is we're ushering in the um, people's openness to the Holy Spirit. Right? So that when they come in here, the Spirit of God can be moving so their defenses aren't up. We're, we're tearing down all the walls and defenses we can before anyone ever steps into this room uh, and really making space for the Spirit to move as we get into worship, as we get into the sermon, as they hear and, and are connected at a heart level. So I think it's really great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Can you read those out loud? What is it? Greeted, directed, treated, and seated. What does treated mean? We're bringing coffee back. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Yes. So Which, we want... by the way, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is not new. It is we've heard we've heard you guys, and we want to move forward because we're hearing, hey, this was really great when we did this. We like that, both in, in what we're doing out there as well as life groups. We're not just going on to the next thing, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're taking the best of what we've ever been, and we're trying to develop it and move it forward. So uh, as you hear those types of things, just, just know that. We hear, and we're excited about moving forward and taking the best of what we have ever been. And I'm up. Yeah, take it over. Uh, and then the so our, our one of our main goals is that we want to have uh, this deep connection. Uh, and the reason why we why this is so important, what Justin just talked about, is we live in a society that is uh, doubting of the church, that is um, questioning of the church. It doesn't trust the church. So when you say uh, the church or even new life, people are get nervous about that. But somehow God has placed in our community this deep relational connection so that your neighbor loves you and trusts you and knows you. And you guys love your neighbors and your friends. And when we have that relational connection, then they don't, they aren't scared of the church. The church becomes, this is my friend that's inviting me to come to this thing with them. And so uh, this whole idea of relational connection is, uh, is just really powerful. And then relational transformation is the same idea. People are going to be transformed by God in the context of community. Uh, it's a place of development. We've learned that as we share life together in these smaller communities, remember, uh, the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, demands that people are drawn in, which means we're going to get bigger, but we need to also look for ways to get smaller. And life groups are one of those ways to get smaller, uh, to get bigger and smaller at the same time, to have this in, uh, deep relational connection with folks uh, and, and really experience life and experience God through that. Uh, we've seen that five things happen in life groups. Uh, the first is that new friendships are formed. Uh, I want to be clear, this is not the place where we all become blood brothers and blood sisters, right? These are where friendships begin and are formed, and then they grow and develop even outside of life groups as we share meals together, as we, we go to games, or we, we uh, have picnics, or uh, you know, play backgammon, things like that, the important stuff in life. But friendships begin in, in life groups. The Bible is applied in practical ways in life groups. So whether it's about your marriage or, or some level of healing, or you're studying a book of the Bible, it's applied. How are we going to live that out this week? Uh, people pray together in life groups, which is a huge thing, a huge uh, plus that we want to move forward with. Uh, we party together in life groups. We celebrate the good things in life, and we are intentional about uh, celebrating with God. And then we serve together in life groups. Uh, a life group that, that is firing on all cylinders uh, has these components in it, and the result is that people are transformed by God through these groups. In light of that, it makes sense that for years we've been saying life groups are our key mode of transformation. We've said that, and we believe it, and it's true. Uh, how many of you have ever been in a life group? Maybe you could raise your hand. Uh, well, that's, that's a good number. That's good. Uh, because you've experienced, I'm guessing, I would hope, you've experienced some level of transformation with God in the context of your, uh, your life group, that God's growing you and developing you. And in light of the fact that life groups are this key thing, we want to see, uh, as we go into the fall, 75% of, of people who come on Sunday morning in the life group. And then as God develops and grows at life group ministry, as we move into 2011, our dream is to see 100% of Sunday morning attendance in life groups. Now, before you say that's impossible, nothing is impossible with God, one. Uh, and two, when I say Sunday morning attendance, I'm talking about the number of people who are sitting in these seats on Sunday morning, which is about 250 people less than would say that New Life is their home. Remember Easter Sunday, we had right around 675 people at church because we all decided to come on the same day. That's our overall church, right? 
And I'm talking about Sunday mornings, the, the three, four hundred of us that gather together. So I'd love to see, and we would love to see, and believe that God's calling us to see full participation, 100% as we move into 2011. That's a big dream, uh, and I want to lay that out a little bit. Um, before I get into that, uh, do you remember your first life group experience? I was a 23-year-old kid, uh, and I had just started liking this girl that lived out in Wisconsin. Uh, and I got into this men's group with, with uh, Rich, uh, was leading that. Uh, and uh, it really connected me to New Life. I, mean, I liked New Life. It was fun. Um, but, but getting into a life group on Monday morning with a couple guys at the Apple Box and, and sharing life and studying uh, the Bible, we studied Ecclesiastes. Uh, and who doesn't like to get up on a Monday morning to Ecclesiastes, right? <laughs> meaningless, meaningless. It's all meaningless. Like, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. But we studied the Word together, and, and we, we found ways to apply it. And I was loved by these guys. And, uh, and Rich and that life group is really one of the keys to locking me into new life and to me being on staff. So if, if you don't like that, he's, he's sitting right there in the middle. You can talk to him uh, later. Our life groups, both our, our leaders currently and our leaders in the past, have worked tirelessly to see this dream become a reality, to see people's lives transformed. They love you, and they want to do nothing more than to see people come into this type of, of intimate relationship. Uh, and, and they're fantastic. How many of you have been a life group leader in the past? Can you raise your hand? We need to give these guys an applause because they're, they're fantastic. Uh, but the truth is, uh, as hard as our life group leaders have worked over the years, we've never seen more than maybe about 50% of our, uh, of our church engaged in a life group at any one time, which means half of the people in our church aren't engaging in this type of experience. They aren't engaging in these intimate communities that are experiencing life and partying and, and serving and, and, and engaging with God's word in these small groups. And, and I think that breaks God's heart. I think he wants us to see um, how we can get everyone connected into this type of ministry. But there are some yes. obstacles to overcome. Kevin. Yeah. The really sad part of that is the half that aren't engaged are usually the newest half. That's true. Those are the people who are the fringe. Yeah. And and those are the people who don't stay if they don't get connected. That's true. That's true. Uh, Everything we're talking about, remember, we're talking about in the context of God loving our community and drawing people to himself. Right? Now, we will be transformed. Those of you who have been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years, you will be transformed in these groups. But we ought to always be remembering, how is God drawing new people into our community? What is Jesus' heart for the people that are on the outside, on the fringes? And there are five main obstacles that I've uh, acknowledged, that we've acknowledged, to getting involved in a life group. Uh, one is, how long am I going to be in the group? Will I be in the group until Jesus comes back? Right? That, that's nerve-wracking if you're new to the church or if you're new to Christianity. Uh, how long are you expecting me to be with these people? They're intimidating. They make me nervous. It's hard to commit to forever, right? Forever is a long time for a lot of people. Uh, it's true. Thank you. Uh, yes. We're going to keep moving. Uh, a second main obstacle is inconsistent promotion of our groups. Uh, we never know when we're going to be promoting stuff, and so you have a hard time bringing your friends to get them plugged into a group. And what happens is then we have kind of this trickle-in effect into life groups. A new person here, maybe a new person there. Uh, a third obstacle that we need to look at is uh, multiple-step sign-ups. We have uh, traditionally made people go through two or three hoops before we get them into an actual life group. And if you're new to the church, or if you've never been in a group, that could turn you off right there. You could be totally done. It's terrifying to have to call someone who's like a Bible study leader and ask them to come to their group. Uh, Another obstacle 
uh, is people asking, what curriculum are we studying? Um, am I, is it going to be difficult? Am I going to get into a group and uh, they're studying Revelation and I have no idea what that's even about? And they're talking about lampstands and horses and, and I'm just like, where am I right now? Um, what kind of curriculum are we going to be studying? Um, we need to be clear about that. People need to know exactly what they can expect when they get into a group. And we need to have a wider variety of curriculum that we're going to look at. Uh, so uh, we're going to be starting groups based on um, common interests. And we've got that going a little bit. Um, parents groups and, and marriage groups. So we're going to blow that out of the water. I mean, get really creative, get really exciting. Maybe uh, you love playing basketball. And so on Friday mornings, you get a group with a group of guys and you just play basketball and you have a quick devotional and you talk and pray together. That could be your life group. I mean, we're thinking outside of the box. We're thinking, uh, how are we going to draw people in? Am I loud enough without it? Yeah. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> my wife took the front row for some reason. She doesn't get enough of my loud talking, apparently. Um, but we'll have groups studying the books of the Bible together. We'll have groups doing recovery, groups about money, um, groups with events. Because I know there are people in the church, men and women, who say, man, I don't necessarily know if I want to jump into a Bible study right now that's intimidating, but I love connecting with a few guys or a few gals, and I love planning events. I could do that. So maybe you get together with a group for 12 weeks, and you plan a fantastic event that gets the whole church connected in. And what you do is you, you, you come, you talk, uh, you have a, a devotional, you pray together, and you plan that event. And that is your life group. Uh, it's things like that, really trying to open up uh, the types of curriculum. And then the last thing that's, I think, a real struggle for a lot of new folks is, is the group open to new people? Am I going to come into a group that's been together for three years? And even if they say they're open, how will I feel coming into that? It takes a really outgoing person to join a group that's been going on for a year or two years and start to feel comfortable there. And we want to make easy on-ramps for folks who are new to experiencing God, who are new to coming into our community. So those are some real uh, some issues uh, that we want to look at, that we need to overcome if we're going to see people get plugged into to life groups. I was thinking if there's a way that we could say to people, hey, at this time, all of our life groups are stopping and starting up again. Join a group. Come in. Now is your time. We're all starting fresh. We're all going to get back together. You're not going to be the odd one out. You're not going to be the new person that everyone's asking your name because they all know each other's names, but they don't know yours. Uh, you can just join a group now. I think that would really uh, end that, uh, that hinder, hesitancy. What am I talking? Obstacle. That obstacle. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that help, team. Uh, <laughs> I think obstacle was what you were Thank you, for. Ron. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. Right. Yeah, thank you. Wow, that's fine. They're getting back at me for talking too much by just leaving me out there. Yeah, that's fun. I figure if I don't breathe, there's no time for them to talk. So, Thank you. Uh, the plan that we've come up with, and I don't want to say the plan that I've come up with, the plan that we have come up with. Uh, I've been looking at this, but a number of us have been praying for months into this. What do we do with our life groups? How do we get people plugged in? How do we make it easy for everyone to get involved so that we can limit all the excuses? I mean, we can take away every excuse someone would have. The only thing they could say is, you know what? I just don't want to for no good reason. That's really the only excuse that we want people to be left with. Um, But for everyone else, how do we get them plugged into a, a group? I think there are four things that we can do. Um, first is we have groups that meet for a certain amount of time. Uh, as we move into the fall, and, and just so you guys know, this is going to be moving in September and into October. And I gave uh, a whole packet of information in the backs of your seats for you to take home, as well as frequently asked questions. So uh, take that with you. That will have in writing everything I'm talking about now and also some of your main questions. So before we get into our Q&A time, uh, later you can look at those frequently asked questions because this might answer a lot of those. 
Um, but having group meets for 12 weeks around the academic calendar, and I know some of you moms are thinking, thank goodness we're finally going around the school calendar. That's really helpful for us. We'll have three trimesters, three 12-week periods where groups meet. Uh, and the benefits to that are huge. Uh, it'll give us clear start and stop dates so that if uh, you come into a group, you know what to expect. You don't have to be in it until Jesus comes back. You're just trying something for 12 weeks. Everyone can try something for 12 weeks. Uh, it gives our leaders time to recharge in between groups, to, uh, to be praying about what God would want them to lead next and to be moving forward in that. Uh, stop dates give you guys time to apply the things you've been learning. Uh, sometimes we just go from one thing to the next to the next without any space to actually apply it and, and, and figure out what does this mean for me. Uh, so that month will give you time for that as well as those new friendships you've started. Continue meeting with those people. Have lunch. You won't have life group for a month, which gives you an open night right there to connect with these people and go deeper into relationships. I didn't explain 12 weeks on. I assumed it. Thank you. That's good. Um, you have a mic. You can hold it. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, what we're going to do is uh, trimesters. It's going to be 12 weeks on and one month off. Uh, and I'm going to talk about what we're going to do in that one month in just a minute. But uh, 12 weeks on, one month off. 12 weeks on, one month off. Uh, the stop dates that we're doing are historically dates when a lot of our life groups have actually stopped on their own. So we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. A lot of you guys stop around Christmas time. Uh, you stop at the end of the school year because there are things are going on and things are busy. So we're just saying let's take those natural rhythms and let's all take a break together. Let's get the stuff done that we need to get done and then let's join a group back again. So you don't have to feel guilty about missing for four weeks because your kids have their end of the year recital and you have back to school night and you have, uh, I don't know, whatever. You, for me, it's like cleaning up diapers and putting Maddie in the crib. I'm not there yet. But whatever you have to do, uh, you won't have to miss for that. You do that once a month? Is I do, right? once a month, yeah. Once a month. Three weeks on, 12 weeks off. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, rotation. <laughs> nice. One of the real benefits to this as well is that you don't have to feel guilty about hearing from God and what he wants to teach you. Uh, imagine you're in a group with your spouse and you're in a, a marriage group for 12 weeks, for a trimester, but then you decide, you know what? We, we did that. We'd like to study a book of the Bible together. You don't have to feel guilty like you're letting your life group leader down by changing groups. You can listen to God's calling. You can listen to the stirring of the Holy Spirit, and you can go into whatever God wants to develop in you next. Maybe you want to study a book of the Bible. Maybe you want to get into a group that's focusing solely on serving. We're going to have some groups well, that's going to be their, their time. They gather together maybe to study the Bible once or study a book. And then the next week, maybe they're just out serving in the community as a group. So maybe you want to do that. Or maybe you want to join a family life group for a while. Maybe something's come up and you want to get into a recovery group for a session. Uh, what this does is it eliminates the awkwardness of just not showing up for your group anymore or of having to tell your leader, you know what, I'm not going to be with you anymore. It's like a breakup. Nobody likes breakups, right? Uh, it's just awkward. Plus, if you get with a leader, if you get in a group with a leader and you just don't resonate, that's okay. You're together for a season, and then you move on. Uh, it also gives leaders time to recharge. We're going to ask our leaders to consider taking one trimester a year off. You're not forced, but you can take one trimester a year off without feeling guilty about it, without feeling like you're letting a whole group of people down because we're trying to figure out the rhythms of, of rest and, and ministry and work. Uh, so that's the first thing. The second one is promotion months. So those three months, and they're going to be right around January, May, and September. This would be the second point on my thing, Justin. Thank you. Um, promotion months are not just going to be the month off, but we're going to be doing everything we can as a church to persuasively encourage people, join a group. 
get involved. This is the right time. This is the right thing to do. The nice thing about that is a lot. One, we aren't having inconsistent signups and promotion. You know when to invite your friends because for your friends to get involved in a group will transform their lives. So you bring them on the promotion month and you say, hey, join this group with me for 12 weeks. We're planning this event. We're studying this book, whatever. Um, so you know when people can sign up. Another great thing about promotion month uh, is, uh, well, there's so many. Where do I even go from here? Um, I go to my notes from here. Yes, thank you. Uh, it, it's a key time for those of you who think, I'm just tired of hearing every three weeks to join a life group. Can you please stop playing that record? You won't hear it all year long. You'll hear it for three months, spaced out with 12 weeks in between when you're in a life group, so don't worry. Uh, we don't want to have to say, join a life group, join a life group, join a life group. There's other things we're going to promote as a church while life groups are going on. It's just in that month that's focused that we're going to be telling everybody, join a life group. Uh, it's going to be easy to sign up. So um, we're going to have life group catalogs at the backs every week at the back of the room, and everyone's going to get one every week, and everyone's going to get a chance to jump into one. Yeah, you can go to the next thing. Uh, everyone's going to get a chance to get a catalog, look through it, and sign up on their communication card right there for a life group. And you know what? Then you're in. That's it. Your life group leader will then call you and say, hey, so glad you joined our group. This is what you can expect. This is what you need to get before you get there. We'll see you on the first day. Uh, it's one-step sign-up so that our people who are new to the church don't have to go through two and three ho- hoops to get to a life group. We're trying to eliminate everything we can that would block them from that. Can, uh, I, can, can I jump in on that? Please do, yeah. It, it might not sound like much to the people who are, to, who are here because you guys are all in life groups and you've all been through that process. But if you put yourself in, let's just say you've been coming to New Life for a month, you're really liking the church, but you don't have any friends here, you don't really know anybody yet, you're looking for a way to get involved, and you hear from the stage, you need to be involved in a life group. Currently, what we ask you to do is remember that, and when church is done, we ask you to go out and find the life group table. We ask you to walk up, talk to a total stranger, and the total stranger is going to say, oh, I'm so glad you want to join a life group. Here's a life group catalog. Go look through it and find one that you like. Okay, so now you have to take the life group catalog home. You have to pick it up at a different time. You have to read through what we have. And then you have to find the telephone number of the life group that you want to go to. You have to pick up the phone and you have to call that life group leader and introduce yourself. And hi, my name is Ron and I'm new to New Life. I've only been coming there about four weeks, but I understand I should be involved in a life group. So I was calling to find out if I could come to yours. That's not very guest friendly. Okay? We, I mean, that's like take... running the gauntlet, yeah. right? And so what we're going to do is when you come in, you'll be given a life group catalog. You'll be given an opportunity in the service to look. And there will be numbers by each one. You simply put the number on your communication card. That's the group I'd like to go to. And the rest of it is handled for you. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to come talk to someone, we'll have a Absolutely. life group area outside. You can come and you can sign up there as well. But it's the same thing. You sign up and you're in. We follow up with you. Or you can take the catalog home and you can sign up online. That will all be ready online once we launch in September. Uh, You can just sign up right there. Now, if you're a life group leader and you're concerned, well, how do I get this information? Uh, We've got a team that's working on processing all that information, and we'll get emails out to you every Monday with the information you need. So all you need to do is take that name or that phone number, give them a call, get them plugged into your group. It's going to be real easy, and I think it will knock out a ton of blocks. Uh, And then the last thing uh, is leadership multiplication. Uh, the idea of splitting life groups or birthing life groups is just painful. Let's be honest. Those of you who have birthed anything, birth is painful. 
we are not birthing life groups anymore. What we're going to do is um, start multiply life groups. We're going to stop our life groups and we're going to multiply. And the way we want to do that is through an apprentice program. Uh, so every life group uh, will have an apprentice. Every leader will have an apprentice that works with them for maybe one uh, trimester, maybe two, maybe three, until that apprentice says, you know what, I think I'm ready to start my own group. And at which point, when the life groups end for the month, that apprentice starts a new group. Uh, we're going to need a number of groups to do this. Uh, right now we have um, 10 groups. Now, one of the, a number of them are, are larger groups. We have about 10 groups going right now. I think we're going to need probably 20 or 30 different groups going on, both for variety's sake as well as to get everyone in our church actually plugged in. And so uh, what we're looking for is leaders and apprentices to partner with them. You don't have to know everything. Uh, you'll do a few things as an apprentice. You will um, send out uh, prayer requests and communication. You will uh, lead maybe once or twice throughout the trimester, and you'll just learn from the leader. You'll do life-on-life uh, training and development. We figure if it's good enough for Jesus uh, with his 12 disciples to do life-on-life training and development, it's probably good enough for us. Um, so uh, those are some of the ways we want to overcome those blocks. And again, all that information is inside. There are uh, a few things that every life group is going to do. Uh, and this is the structure around it. Because a number of years ago, we had life groups for eight weeks, and that was fantastic. I, what I hear is a lot of people really liked doing um, life groups for a certain amount of time, but we didn't have the structure set to sustain that. And so we're taking that idea, but we're giving some structure to actually make it succeed and make it sustain for more than just eight weeks or 16 weeks, but for the long term. So there are a few things that every group will do. Every group will meet for 12 weeks. Uh, every group will party together once a trimester. Uh, yeah, party. Yeah, absolutely. I worked with college kids for six years, so this is taking you know, me back to my roots. You say uh, you don't want to use, it's not birthing, but you use trimester an awful lot. In the... That's true. That's true. Thank you for that, Justin. Spoken like the What would you like me to two. say? What would be a better phrase than trimester? It's great. Uh, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're, each of our groups is going to do a community service project together, um, an activity once in that 12-week period. Uh, and, and we're doing that because our mission statement is to connect to God and others to develop as followers of Christ and to move into lifestyles of service. So rather than having teams that are doing community service over here and life groups that are over here, we're saying, hey, let's as a life group do some community service together. That will help us move into lifestyles of service. Now, this could be as little as three times a year you do some sort of community service thing. Or God might spark something in you, and this might be your, come your passion. This might be the way that you really reach out into our community. We're going to let God decide that. We want to make it easy for you, though. So every life group leader will have a list of uh, every community service option that's available, how many people that, that option can hold, how often or how early you need to get in contact with the liaison for that ministry. Uh, all you need to do as a life group leader is call them up and say, we're coming on this day. We will do all the work for you behind the scenes to make it as user-friendly as we can for you. And then the last thing that every group will do together is celebrate communion once in that 12 weeks. Uh, communion is a great expression of the reality of Christ, his sacrifice, uh, and that he rose from the dead. Uh, that death does not have the final word, but that there is new life, uh, and that's what we celebrate. So uh, we're going to celebrate communion. How you do that is up to you. We'll be giving you tips and insights on how that can happen. So if that gives you some nerves, we'll be walking you through that. But we're going to celebrate communion together. And that's it. Uh, you have freedom in terms of the topic, the day, the time, the type of group, uh, who your apprentice is, how you celebrate, where you serve, uh, really a lot of things, communion, uh, all these things, you have freedom in that. We're just giving some structure to make this sustainable. Uh, and real quickly as we close, you'll see a span of care 
later when you open up this, uh, this booklet, you'll see the span of care. Uh, because if we're going to have 30 life groups, uh, that means anywhere from 30 to 60 leaders. And we do not want to leave you out on, on your own. We don't want to have inconsistent communication. We don't want to burn bridges with you. So we're going to have a span of care. I'm working with a team of coaches, life group coaches. Uh, what you can expect from them is uh, there will be one coach for every five life groups, anywhere from four to five life groups. Uh, they'll pray for you leaders daily. They will call or email you once a month. They'll meet with you once during that 12 weeks, and they'll be available to you anytime. So you can email them. You can ask them questions. You can touch base with them. From me, you can expect an email on Mondays giving you a tip as a life group leader, uh, giving you pertinent information in the church, what's going on this week and what you need to know about, and then being available for questions. And then you leaders, you'll pray for your people. Uh, you'll be available to them. You'll serve with them, and you'll be transformed uh, by God with them. And uh, really, we're talking about relational connection and relational transformation uh, and God is going to, I think, move powerfully as he draws people to himself through these two tools. Uh, what are we thinking? We're going we're gonna to have a, a, a short break for just a minute. Angela's sitting on a stool and she doesn't like it. Uh, she's ready for a break. So, so for her sake and for all of yours, a quick break, grab some cookies, go to the restroom, and be back here in just a few minutes. Yeah, please, please make it no longer than five because we do want to get you out of here by seven o'clock. So we want to keep our word. Okay, if you wouldn't mind finding your seats, that would be great. Being new life, I expect that to take another five minutes or so. <laughs> That's just the way that goes. Oh, yeah. Doug Diego saved me. <laughs> Doug. All right, so just like in the body of Christ, it takes all kinds and we all have to work together. The same thing is true about the pastoral staff. There is nothing in our criteria that says we have to like public speaking, and some of us don't. And there's uh, not a dress code, and I feel more comfortable barefoot. If you were at my wedding, on the way up the stage, I lost my shoes so I could feel, hi, (laughs) our wedding. Sorry, love. (laughs) It's only been nine months. I don't have the hang of this yet. Anyway, on the way up the stage, I lost my shoes. I just didn't feel like myself at all, and I had picked flats and the whole bit, but I just could not enjoy it in shoes. So in order to be able to enjoy the next five minutes with you, I'm going to remove my shoes, and sorry about you. Uh, The part I want to talk about is the bridge between what Justin talked about and what Kevin talked about, because we have the first seven minutes to help them lower their guard so that they can engage in the service. We also have the first seven minutes to get them to hopefully come back. Once we have identified, once they make that connection into life groups, they're fairly secure. At that point, they have become comfortable enough with their guards down that they are open to the good news, they are open to transformation, they are open to a ton, and they have made some kind of a lasting connection that goes far beyond six months and that kind of thing. They are hooked. What I would, what I would say in that is once someone joins a life group, it goes from being uh, new life or that church that I go to to being my church, right? Because now we're a group of people who are looking for me. So it's no longer that church or your church, but it's my church. The question is, what do we do from the first time to the my church? Thanks. Yeah. What we have, we call that uh, the danger zone behind the scenes because we have failed to address that. 
we have completely failed to address that. We have defined a guest as first, second, or third time. It's even been represented on our communication cards. We only ask you if this is your first, second, or third time, and then after that, we just make the assumption you're hooked. Well, that's a lot of pressure on those first three times. I mean, that is assuming all of the cards have uh, lain just right and they have fallen in love. And there is a certain pocket that that works for. Additionally, there's a certain um, personality that is just assertive and is perfectly comfortable inserting themselves wherever they want to be, and they're not intimidated by that. But that is not the case for most temperaments, and you add any misconceptions that they have about church, and it, it adds obstacle on top of obstacle. So we have to address that spot, and um, we have addressed guests for second and third time, but we have no strategy. We have had no strategy for what to do in the danger zone. So now that we've addressed the danger zone, it's time to actually do something about that. And the way that we're viewing it is that it takes a push and a pull. Sunday mornings is a nudge. And what Kevin wants to do through promotions and through you guys, through us, is a pull. Come on. We want you to come. Come on. Get, get connected. Join a life group. It's a magnetic pull. But if we don't give a pretty significant push towards that, the number of people that make it through that gap is minuscule. And um, we have consistently blessed God, given him the glory, thanked him for since New Life's inception, we've never had a Sunday without a first-time guest. Now, I did not do the math on it because that is not my area at all. But (laughs) if you take every Sunday from 1998 till today, and we just had even just one, and there's been Sundays where it's 20, no joke. If you took all of those Sundays and added those together, and my guess is going to be Justin and Ron are already doing that math. Uh, If it it averages 10 a week, it would be roughly 500 new guests every year. If we had 10 first-timers a week? Right. Mm -hmm. And we have had seasons of new life where it has been that. If we averaged five, it would be 250 or 1,000 first-time guests every four years. So in our 12-year history... At least 3,000. Yeah, absolutely. He's like a human abacus, ladies and gentlemen. I could have spent a half an hour and come up with the wrong number. So, um, There's not 3,000 people at New Life. There's just not. And we have to begin to address that. And again, I want to reiterate what Kevin said. The point is not to grow for numbers' sake. Although for every single one of those numbers is a life. Mm -hmm. Every single one of those people. Um, and we're going to do some stuff about that. Now, when I say we're going to do some stuff, Justin's had months and the team has had months to address the first impressions concept, and Kevin's had a couple of months to be working on life groups, and this connections thing is a baby. It's a theory. It's an idea. And just changing our definition of a guest gives us some strategy right there. I mean, some of that stuff that we need to do, and and again, to quote Kevin talking about doing what we've done best in the past and just pulling all of the best of the best together, New Life parties really well together, Mm -hmm. really well. And we need more times, not because we're just a church that likes to laugh and giggle, and that's the easy and fun thing to do. But as we laugh and giggle and other people join in that and recognize that there is an open space for them to laugh and giggle with us, then they also recognize that there's an open, open space for them to learn with us. Mm-hmm. And we need to do more of that. Now, as we develop what that looks like, having uh, realigning the staff so that there is somebody over that, 
who is just simply looking at connections, making lasting connections, it will take a look at entry point. We need to take a look at our membership. Right now, those two are one and the same. I mean, they kind of get lost with each other. We need to take a look at developing people with a personality that are already magnetic and begin to capitalize on that. We need to begin to strategize. We need to do some focus groups, pulling people in who have made that pass, who have, have crossed the bridge, find out what it was that helped them cross that bridge, and then we need to get strategies in place for that. There is limitless possibilities for how the right people with the right giftedness that God has done given to them, can gather together and can create that at this church. And it is one of the ways that we're going to do what we talked about with Justin, where something that we have naturally done, we are naturally magnetic and we are naturally relational, it's one of the ways that we're going to learn to capitalize on that giftedness, but actually use it effectively and have a strategy. Uh, This is very theoretical, um, but it's time to tackle that as a church. Mm -hmm. And we have to do it if we increase their first impressions and those seven minutes go great and we continue to rock it on Sunday morning where they continue to write on their cards, guest write week after week after week. Wow, really welcoming and open church. I felt very comfortable here, but they're not making it past the three-month mark and they're not making it past the six-month mark. Then our, our spirit hasn't changed. We're not doing anything wrong, but we're not doing something right either. And it isn't just good enough to try your hardest. You have to know what to do and then try your hardest. And that's where we hit the sweet spot. I was going to say in your redefining of a guest, um, Angela's alluded to the fact that our current or past strategy has been first, second, and third time guests. And then you're on your own. Um, We're actually going to work with people that you're a guest until we get you in a life group. So we're going to continue to reach out to you intentionally with specific strategies until we get you in a life group. Because we recognize if we don't get you in a life group, the chances of Christ transforming your life through this church are very small. Does that make sense to everybody? And And so it's not going to be three times and you're on your own. We're going to keep working with you and working with you until we get you in that space where you can really get connected and it becomes your church. And this is what gets me fired up, because then once you are in a life group, we don't forget about you, but you become part of the team that is drawing new people in, right? It's like this expanding vortex where we are all working to draw people in together. And we're transformed as we're seeing other people be transformed as well. And that's what it means for us to be the body of Christ moving forward in this. Lastly, I just, the part that really gets me fired up about this is twofold. One is obviously the people that we're not making that connection with. I just get super excited to know they'll start sticking around. Um, and two, I, having been on staff, I never planned to be on staff. I wanted to go to the mission field and be on the front lines. And then I discovered that this is the mission field and I am on the front lines. But I, I continue to struggle with understanding how God made me the way that he made me. And it doesn't line up with what I view as a church worker at all. Um, and in conversing with you guys, I think that your average churchgoer has that same dilemma. There's very few of us that step forward and say, God gave me the gifting to save souls. There's very few of us that say, I know everything I need to know to walk somebody through becoming a Christian. There's very few of us that say, I got it all together. I'm ready to teach a mom's group and show them how they can do it stress-free. I mean, it's just, God calls us. (laughs) We got our first new leader. (laughs) It's exciting. Yeah. 
I was a great mom. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the, 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 in the Bible, it's very clear that this is not the church. And right. even when we bring the stewards up and we bring up people who have stepped forward and said, gosh, flawed and all, I'm going to take a leadership role, that's not the church. This is the church. And if that is the case, then God has given you specifically something and you specifically something that you can do. And when, we, when I work in the offices and people come in and they, I can feel that they are downplaying the fact that they fold, you know, stuff. Or I just, you know, I, don't, I can't make connections with people. I just need to have a task that's behind the scenes. And they downplay that. You're missing it. We are missing it, and it is my responsibility to help them feel what God is telling me is he has called me to something that is bigger than I think I know how to do, and my skill set doesn't match what I think pastoral stuff should be. Um, It is my responsibility to draw that out in the rest of you, and that's the second part of this that makes me super excited. Whether you are into IT work or graphic arts or you want to work behind the scenes or God gave you a magnetic personality but you don't yet have the Bible knowledge that you think you need to know, in order to walk somebody through becoming a Christian, or you are at that place where you want to walk somebody through becoming a Christian, but you're not meeting those people yet. No matter what it is that God has developed in you or where he's brought you on that path, it might be putting together a Sadie Hawkins dance that makes people feel comfortable with coming to church or a swing dance or just another connections event. There is something for you that God needs from you in order to do this. And I am super excited about not the usual and the regular people coming forward and partnering with us as we bridge this gap. I think there is huge potential in what that's going to develop in us. It's not just one of those, okay, I'm going to help those people. It is going to change and transform us. And I am stoked about that. She's stoked, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) You did great. Did that transition us into a video? We have, we have a video. And I believe that this is a video that the message is a message God would give. It, it's, it's for individuals, but I believe it's also for the church. So I want you to take a look at this, not only from the perspective of your own life, but I want you to take a look at it from the perspective of the significance that God wants to bring in and through the church. Makes you want to go climb a mountain somewhere, doesn't it? You know, it's amazing what can happen when we work with God. And uh, so, in the back of the chair in front of you, you find one of these. That's nothing new, right? Looks pretty similar. It's a little bit different, okay? Um, And so, here's how it works. We would like for everyone who's here tonight to fill it out. So, there's a place up there for your contact information. Um, Please take the time to fill that out so we can make sure that we have the correct contact information from everybody. Yeah, when he says everybody, he means every individual. Thank you. Yep. Every individual. Guys, you can't just lay this on your wife and say, your handwriting's better than mine. Why don't you fill one out for me? Okay. We have guys on staff. We'll discern that. We'll figure out what you say, what you mean. (laughs) Nice. If we're going to be successful, it means that we're going to have to expand our volunteer workforce. I think everybody can figure that out. If we're going to have five or six greeters at every service instead of two or maybe three who come and stay for the whole morning, it means we're going to have to have a lot of greeters. 
We're going to have people that work in our connections ministry that we've talked about. It means we're going to need we're going to need a lot of those. If we're going to if we're going to have life group leaders, we're going to need a lot of those. Kevin already talked about we have ten life groups right now, and by October we need to have twenty or thirty. So you don't even have to be good at math to figure out that's a big jump, right? That's a huge jump. And so what we what we're asking you to do is take a look at this and say, okay, God, what's my next step? What can I do? What do you want to do through me so that we as a church can really step into this God-given mission of relational connection, of transformational, um, of relational transformation and of lasting connections so that the people who come through our doors and God has blessed us with a continual stream of first-time guests. We had a bunch here this morning for the very first time that we can begin to get them directed toward Christ and doing that consistently so that they can connect with Him. And, the, and, and But before they connect with Him, they'll have to connect with us because that's almost always how it works. People connect with the church first, and then in the church setting, they end up connecting with Christ. So we get to be that bridge. So if you would take the time to read through this, check as many boxes as you would like. I want you to know, you go, I'm not doing that. They'll have me doing seven things all at the same time. No, we won't do that. But it would be nice to know if there are seven things on there that you would be interested in, then we'll sit down with you and we'll figure out which of those we might have the greatest need for right now. And we'll get you plugged in to that particular area. Or if it might be two areas, those two particular areas. So don't, don't be shy if there's enough. I mean, for me, I could sit in, well, there's a few of those I might not check. But most of them I could check. I've told people many times, if I wasn't the pastor of the church, I'd be a greeter. My, that would, for me, that'd be like fresh meat to the dogs. I would just... Ron, you, you are a greeter, actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In yeah, fact, uh, you know, we all have the responsibility, really, of, of that hospitality. I mean, we are the family that's, uh, that's doing that. So it, it isn't just up to the greeters <laughs> to be that, that smiling face. Uh, it's, uh, it's up to all of us. But the truth is, yes, we need smiling faces out there to um, help yes. that move that along. Yes. So please take the time to read through that. Please take the time to check every box that God would stir in your heart. We have prayed as a staff that the Holy Spirit would come and move among us tonight. Because I can tell you that the power of the church does not lie in its strategies or its methods. Okay, God gives us strategies and methods, and if we're disobedient to them, then He's not going to work through us. So we have to be obedient to them. But the power doesn't lie in that. Where does the power lie? The power lies in God working through us. Okay? So, and then... We're going to pass some baskets and have you put them in, just like on Sunday morning, all right? And um, Actually, we need a few of you to pass the baskets. <laughs> so if you feel comfortable and confident, could you pop back to the back and get a basket? Thank you. And, and we'll, while, we'll assume that you checked off Usher when you... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're taking right your names down. 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 Yeah, right. <laughs> nice. Making jokes. Should we call forward the stewards and the OOT at this point? Yeah. Um, let's have the stewards and the OOT come up here as well, because we're going to go move into a time of question and answers and... Uh, but I'm going to ask you to multitask for just a minute because I want to yeah. talk to you about something that might seem petty. 
Well, if they're going to be on the floor. Do I have everybody's attention? No, it's not ours. I don't. Okay, all right. <laughs> Let's try this again, all right? Let's pray. Father, even now, as we turn in um, these communication cards, it's our prayer that they would be more than just names, addresses, and check marks. That they would represent, when they're all collected, that they would represent a workforce of people that you have moved in and you have called and you have motivated and stirred. And then, Lord, would you give to the staff wisdom to take all that information and begin to organize that workforce in ways that enable us to be a wonderful host to every guest who comes. That, Lord, the maximum number of them we could get connected to you so that their lives might be transformed. I pray in Jesus' name.